0: Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the I Want to Know podcast. I am your host, Greg Jones. I am the one leading you on this inquisitive departure into audio wisdom. Today on the show, I have Debbie Vigay. But before we talk to her real quick, I want to thank you guys for telling all your friends about the show, for spreading the word. That's the only advertising we have. We're not rich over here. Also, I want to remind you guys that at IWantToKnowShow.com, you click on the Guests link, you find everything you need to know about our guests, whether it's Debbie, whether it's last week, whether it's last year, we got everything there. Links to uh, if they have a book, we got books, we got websites, Twitters, everything you need to know, and especially how to listen to the episode. So show.com click on that guest link and get all the information you need. Okay, on to today. I am being joined by Debbie Vigay. She's been called the patron saint of the supernatural for good reason. She's a writer and a speaker who trains people in real life, spiritual warfare, we going to get into that, against the demonic. If that weren't enough, she is the New York Times bestselling author of more than four dozen novels, most of them dark fantasies, mysteries, and supernatural thrillers, including the Wicked series, co-authored with Nancy Holder, the Psalm 23 Mysteries, and Robin Hood Demons Bane series, co-authored with James R. Tuck. When she isn't battling the forces of darkness, sounds like Batman. Out in the real world, or penning tales of danger and intrigue set in her fictional world, she plays a recurring character on the STEM outreach audio drama, Doctor Geeks Laboratory. That's quite the resume, Debbie. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I get lots of emails from people. Hey, I'm an author. I'd like to come on your show. Great, whatever. Yeah, I'm this. I'm that. You, you had me locked at. I'm a, I'm a demonologist. (laughs)
1: it's It's a little more rare
0: <laughs> it is it's 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 quite a bit more rare uh about as rare as you know say your last name uh,
1: <laughs> it's true <laughs> yes so so I
0: had to have you on I had to have you on in short notes I was like I, I gotta talk to her this is gonna be great um so before we get into that and the and the exorcisms and and all the the crazy stuff that I want to hear about um I want to talk a little bit about the writing um First of all, you have tons and tons of novels. Is, is this your only job? There's no way that you write and have a day job.
1: That's correct. This is my only job.
0: Oh, okay. Well, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, when I posted out to my, my listeners that I was going to talk to you, and I said, hey, anybody have any questions for someone? You know, I, I obviously use your name, and someone who's also an exorcist, and, and this and that. Uh, nobody had, on Facebook, nobody had any questions about that, but somebody told me that they were very into your Anyone Can Be a Writer series. And I hadn't heard about that, so I had to look it up. So tell me about your "Anyone Can Be a Writer" series.
1: Oh, that's actually—it's uh, my writing course that I offer, writer dot com, where I go through and I talk about all the different aspects of the writing process, and I try to give people help and advice, no matter where you are at, you know, where you're at in the writing stage. If you're a beginner, you know, if you're if you got the first novel or two out of the way, you know whatever you can always improve. And I give you tips and tricks that I like to to do, and like it's it's the kind of things I would give in a seminar or uh, a college lecture or something like that. Um, I'll I take you from everything plot, character development, et cetera, all the way through the publishing process, and it's it's a lot of fun. I tell people things. I give you exercises to do uh, stretching exercises, writing exercises. And I also say, uh, some of my, my really quick little things that you can look at your book and decide where you're at things like your your protagonist, are they interesting enough that you would want to go to dinner with them and spend two hours (laughs) talking to them? Right. And it seems like a no brainer. But some people like, I wouldn't want to spend two hours talking to that person. I'm like, then why would your reader want to spend two, three, four hours reading about them? Absolutely. So it's like, if your protagonist isn't interesting enough to have a great dinner with, they're not interesting enough to write about.
0: That makes you know? sense. And thanks. I, I like to uh, do a little sports article writing and submit to a couple different websites here and there. Can, can this be applied to, you know, nonfiction type things?
1: Absolutely, it's mostly geared towards the fiction writer, but a lot of it applies across the board. Uh, there's a lot about uh, structure. I talk about structure a lot. I talk about writer's block, which every writer goes through at some point. Absolutely. I talk about even the editing process and tips and tricks for making that smoother and better for yourself.
0: And please use spell check. <laughs>
1: Everybody, yeah.
0: please use. Spell- <laughs>
1: Yes, Hugh. Spell check. Yes.
0: I'm, I'm a bit of a spell check Nazi. People send me emails and it's just like, really? Did you write this? You know, did you have your third grader write this? What the hell? <laughs> Sorry, that's my own little pet peeves. Um, so the books you write are, are very much uh, in the darker world of topics. Why? Why such the dark topics for your your novels?
1: I think it kind of stems from the fact that, you know, so many aspects of my life have have a little darker bent because of the demonology, which we'll talk about later. Yes. But I, that's the kind of fiction I enjoy. You know, I like going to see those kinds of movies and reading those kinds of books. I like the supernatural elements that I can pull in. There are some things that I do that are completely light and fluffy. Uh, I do a series called Sweet Seasons, which is about a girl who gets her first job working at a theme park which is like an alternate reality of its own. If to anyone who has ever worked in a theme park, they'll know that's true. (laughs) And uh, my Psalm 23 mysteries have no supernatural element to them, but it's a church secretary and a rabbi who keeps stumbling over dead bodies together. All right. It sounds like the setup for a cozy, but it does have a little more of a thriller edge, and the rabbi has a dark past, and I still drop a lot of bodies in each book. But uh, people tend to love that one and I get comments like, I can't believe I laughed so hard at book one, which is about a serial killer. <laughs> like, <laughs> then I did my job, didn't I? <laughs> you know, I like to I like to entertain people. I my primary goal as a writer is to make somebody feel something, whether it's, you know, great love or great sorrow, you know, or fear. I, I want them to have an emotional experience with the book.
0: You know, and is it a bit like say, uh, a painting where people can get different feelings from the same thing? Absolutely. Different people, I mean.
1: Yeah, different people will take – it it, it happens a lot with poetry. People are always talking about poetry. It's half the writer, half the reader. But it happens for books as well. I mean so many people have reached out to me. They'll connect with different aspects of it than other people do, especially with my Psalm 23 mysteries. I have actually been shocked at the number of people that have emailed me who they'll say, you know, I'm Christian, and my husband's Jewish, or vice versa. And we're both such huge fans of the series. And I'm like, wow, I I didn't realize there were that many interfaith couples out there that were the the books feel like they're speaking to them personally. Hmm. You know, that was unexpected to me, you know, and other people, you know, will, will focus on the faith aspects, and other people focus on the romance. And some people, you know, connect with the fact that my heroine uh, starts off the series very, very afraid of uh, challenge and danger, and they feel like they're growing through the books with her. So it's it's always very interesting to me what different readers take away.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, when you first started describing it, it sounded kind of like the uh, the opening to a joke. A uh, yes. rabbi and a, and a church secretary walk into a bar.
1: Exactly, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things, you know, you sent over your, your little bio in, in the email. One of the things that I loved was when Debbie isn't battling the forces of darkness out in the real world. First of all, you sound like Batman. That's awesome. Thank you.
1: Thank yeah. you. I love Batman. Yeah. I'm Batman. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love Batman?
1: Exactly. Right.
0: So so what is this fighting the force of darkness? What is, what is this whole demonologist thing? <laughs> what
1: is this whole demonologist
0: thing? I love how you phrase that. <laughs> I don't even um, know how to phrase that. I've never heard of this before. <laughs>
1: You've never heard of it? Fascinating. Okay. Yes. Well, uh, we start with the premise that uh, Satan, fallen angels, demons are real, and uh, they—if you look at different religions—I've been studying the major religions of the world, and every religion has its own concept of evil, and usually it's personified, sometimes by one, you know, demon or or god, you know, or character, mm. or by many. You know, everybody. You know, it doesn't matter if you're Christian or Jewish or or Buddhist or you know Muslim, you know, or Native American. There, these all have this concept of evil, and usually evil personified in some way. So, I've been studying that across religions for many, many years. And um, the reason I'm doing that is to help people who are actually experiencing problems with dark forces interacting with them. Uh, I, I. Literally, like say we take you know, we take it as a basis that you know all these evil things the de- what we call demons are real mm-hmm. and that they do interact with people and I I know they interact with people because they've been interacting with me for years and it's unpleasant <laughs> you know and, and I spent many many years uh, trying to make them go away not knowing how to make them go away not knowing how to help myself and learning. And then uh, being called to kind of help others because it breaks my heart when I hear stories of people having these experiences and they don't know, A, what's happening to them or B, what to do about it.
0: And I don't even know where to go from that. I mean, what are you certified as a demonologist or I mean, is there like some sort of training that goes along or has it just been all your, your research into other religions throughout the past?
1: It, I, I'm not certified because I am not well I'm not Catholic the only people that get certified really as demonologists at least on in the the judeo-christian kind of looking way of looking at things are uh, Catholic priests okay and I'm not Catholic uh, I'm not a man therefore I'm not a Catholic priest <laughs> you're disqualified. <laughs> I'm kind of disqualified, and that's a bummer. But um, I am very happy to say that while there were only five uh, exorcists that were five Catholic priests who were exorcists in the U.S. uh, ten years ago, there's now fifty. So there is a growing um, there's a growing understanding that this is a problem that needs dealt with. Uh, As far as me, it's been a lot of research, a lot of trial and error, a lot of talking to other people with experiences, helping them through their own experiences, and it's really. A culmination of decades of uh, study, really.
0: Mm-hmm. And did this, you know, be, you know, all this study and demonology, did this come before the writing of the novels?
1: Yeah, it started well before the writing of the novels. Uh, I've been professionally published as a novelist since 2002. Okay. Uh, I have been dealing with the demonic since I was four.
0: <laughs> Yikes. So-
1: yeah, and while I tried to get published when I was a kid, I I actually sent <laughs> in a uh, I sent a short story to Highlights for Children magazine when I was eleven.
0: I remember Highlights.
1: Yeah, they rejected me and told me that my story was too violent for children. <laughs> <laughs> I I always think, wow, hmm. and <laughs> but uh, it's it's very funny to me. But so I have I have been working on the demonology aspect a lot longer, although I have been writing and writing stories and writing fiction since I was about eight.
0: Okay. So this begs the question. You said this all kind of started when you were four. What happened when you were four that brought this all on?
1: When I was four, I got up Saturday morning uh, before my parents to go watch cartoons. And I was going to, I went to our library in the house and grabbed a book because I wanted to look at the pictures while I was watching my cartoons. And while I was in the library, uh, a voice called my name and, scared me to death I ran as fast as I could into the family room and stayed there till my mom woke up and I told her what happened and she tried for the life of her to come up with a logical explanation <laughs> of what it was and um I when you actually have an experience like that you know in your gut what happened you might not want to know what happened you sure. might be in denial for years but your body has like almost this this visceral reaction to it and you know that it was not natural. And um, I, that all that really taught me was that I couldn't talk about it with other people. <laughs> and uh, so I didn't. And I went along and was tormented a lot as a child, particularly at nighttime by these things. And uh, tried to learn through trial and error what worked and what didn't. Until in high school, when my mom came to me one day and said, I've had an experience and I think maybe you can help me deal with it.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, jeez! And I'm like oh, really? What makes you think I know anything? (laughs) She's like, I kind of think, you know, you know, and I'm like, and it turns out she actually admitted this to me a year ago, because we had never talked about that incident when I was four ever again. Uh And last year, I don't even know what made me bring it up. I said, you remember when I was a kid? And she said, and the demon talked to you in the library? And I'm like, yes, And I'm like, you knew what happened. And she said, I absolutely knew what happened when you said it. But I had never had an experience. I didn't know anyone who had had an experience. I had no idea how to help you. All I knew was to try to make you not afraid of what had happened. I'm like, okay then. So that was it was kind of validating for me. I'm like, well, at least you knew, but I wish you had acknowledged that you knew at the yeah. time so that I could talk about it going forward. But that so that's where it all started. How how crazy.
0: I mean, at some point did somebody say like you should see a psychologist or
1: uh, no, no, actually,
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> okay.
1: by the time people might've started saying that, that's the time when people were coming to me for help.
0: No, so it you was know? too late.
1: Yeah, it was too late. You know, they're <laughs> like, all of a sudden, like, like I said, my mom's like, something happened to me and I think it was demonic. And I, I, something tells me you understand these things. And I'm like, yes, let's talk. Let's deal with your problem, you know? And literally, and it, it got to the point where by college, strangers I didn't know, would call me at four in the morning. Okay. And they're like, I have a problem. I'm like, who are you? And how <laughs> did you get this number? You know, and they're like, I am a friend of a friend of so and so and I finally broke down and told somebody that something had happened to me and they gave me your phone number. Okay. And I'm like, Alright, well, hello. And uh, let, let's let's walk through what's happening to you. you know? Let me wake up, you know,
0: let me call you back so, at nine. Exactly.
1: Right. You know, kind of, you know, so that was really how it all got started. It really accelerated a lot in college. Um, and my roommate that the, the dorm system decided to pair me with turned out was into the occult big time. And that got really scary for a while, <laughs> wow. but, but we, we dealt with it and uh, got through it together. So
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, All right. How do you, I mean, this, this might sound really stupid, but how do you know if you're being haunted or is haunted even the right term?
1: Haunted isn't the right term. Uh, I, I, I reserve that for ghosts. I've seen three ghosts in my life. They scared the crap out of me.
0: (laughs) Understandable.
1: (laughs) You know, I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. You know, just, just, I'm leaving the room, you know, but I, I call it oppressed. Uh, Oppressed is when a demon is harassing you. And mm-hmm. what the kind of things that will happen uh, if it's happening to you, there, there are all kinds of potential signs. One of them is when you start seeing things move out of the corner of your eye and nothing's there, uh, where sh- there are shadows where there shouldn't be shadows or shadows are more or deeper than they should be. Uh, you can hear things moving or kind of whispering. I mean, there's a difference between a house settling because, I mean, we're all kind of used to the, the sounds that our places make at night, you know, in the, right. the creaking Thing. There, These are different kinds of sounds that just start to be, you know, different and kind of harrowing. And then um, it can escalate all the way up to things moving, uh, either while you're watching or not. Uh, getting physically attacked, uh, scratched, bitten, things like that. Uh, you can smell strange smells. You can have, like, see smoke or kind of fog coming underneath your door. Uh, you can, uh, there can also be a lot more subtle signs where you start having really negative thoughts that don't seem to be completely your own where it's like unnatural to you your thought process start, start becoming a lot darker than are normal for you even with whatever you're going through mm-hmm. and uh, that that can be a sign that you're getting oppressed a lot um, there's also you know things that you can look for in other people too are it, it's it's ironic it's it's the same kind of things you'd look for if somebody's you know uh doing drugs or other things but it's like sudden changes in personality or behavior loss of interest in things that they've always been into but another a really uh strong tell is a sudden um intolerance for religious s- things for either talking about religion or religious items like it's almost repulsive to them okay you know and uh And also, like I say, a lack of care for their, uh, for how they look, their appearance, like, you know, they start, you know, they stop bathing and things like that. Uh, They stop taking care of themselves. So, like I say, these can all be signs of, you know, drug use, mental illness, a lot of other things. So you have to be very careful when you're dealing with other people. And always, I always tell people, make sure if you have problems. Go to the doctor. Go to the, go to a psychiatrist. Go to whoever you need to go to because, you know, God gave us brains for a reason. He gave us medical care professionals for a reason. Right. But um, I also say exaggerated medical things, like things that are normal to you but somehow get escalated like they shouldn't be. For example, my mom's prone to migraines. Okay. She's had migraines uh, since she had a neck injury when she was a teenager, right? Sure. And she'll have like a migraine – Every, you know, every month, every six weeks, something like that. Well, uh, last year she was starting up a ministry at her church and all of a sudden she was having a constant migraine. I mean, she'd had a migraine for like 14 days straight and it just did not let up. And then if it started to let up, it would be bright back the next morning. And she w- it was debilitating and she was not thinking about her ministry or anything else. And it was so unnatural because of the duration and the intensity of it. And it was like migraines were normal for her what she was experiencing was definitely not. So I finally said, "Have you thought that you might be being attacked?" And so she actually stopped and addressed the situation and it turned and within half an hour the migraine was gone. Interesting. Yeah, so it's like one of the easiest ways that de- demons can oppress people is by taking like a physical ailment that is common to them and exaggerating it out of proportion because at that point that's all you're thinking about, you know?
0: Yeah, and if it's something that you're already suffering from, it's not as weird.
1: Right. It goes under the radar because, as I tell people, demons will take the path of least resistance. The least amount of energy they can expend, the least obvious they can be, they will do that because if they can literally just, you know, kind of make that migraine a little worse, if they can make that, you know, this this or that or the other a little worse so that you're off balance and you're not doing whatever it is you're supposed to be doing – and that's all they have to do, then great. You know, they can go harass somebody else, you know. But it, so it's it's the simple, subtle things that people often miss.
0: Now, what happens, say, with your mom, the migraine, she's, she's had it for a couple of weeks, and she goes to a doctor, and the doctor, I don't know what they would do, whether it be medication, some sort of uh, physical treatment, and boom, it's gone. Do you go, all right, well, whatever, got rid of the demons, or... Maybe this wasn't a demon, and the doctor fixed it.
1: Uh, if, I'm all for if the doctor can fix it, let the doctor fix it.
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> Please,
1: but, but at the same time, it hurts you not at all to try. You know to to get cast out demons. I mean, it does. You know that does, if if you can just stop and say, you know, if you're if you're bothering me, get away from me. That it takes you 30 seconds, and you've lost nothing, and you've possibly gained something. And sometimes. It's obviously a combination. Sometimes it's some; it'll let up, but then you still need to get follow up with your healthcare professional. Or sometimes it will be a clear case of one way or the other,
0: you know. Okay, so I mean, is it that easy? Just like, hey, please stop bothering me, or how does that work?
1: All right, for it's different depending on what religious persuasion you're of. Okay. Uh, for Protestants and Catholics, which is the group I work most predominantly with. It's literally, you have to stop and say, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, whose blood was shed on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, I command you to leave. And it is an important thing. The the blood of Christ is what defeats the demons. So you have to invoke it. But you have to say, I command you, which is the step that most people forget. Because if you don't take the personal responsibility for making the demon leave, it will never go. It doesn't have to. You have to say, I command you to get out. You have to recognize the authority you have over it to make it go. Otherwise, you're pretty much allowing it to stay.
0: Okay. So you have to, so, you have to lay the smack down, lay down the law.
1: Exactly. You know, you have to you have to take ownership for your you have to, you have to fight back.
0: Really. One thing you said was you had seen ghosts three times and it freaked you out. Are you yes. more afraid of ghosts than demons?
1: Totally. Really? <laughs> yes.
0: Do I want to know I why?
1: Know. It makes no sense because, um, I don't like things I can't explain and ghosts, the ghosts I've seen they're it's kind of like, it's not live, it's Memorex. It's literally just like something that's on a loop repeating some horrific thing that happened to them.
0: Okay. And
1: there's nothing there for me to interact with. There's no consciousness. There's no way for me to make it go away, you know? And that just unnerves me a lot because I understand how demons function. I understand what to do to get rid of them. I understand the motivations, you know, and with ghosts, I'm just like, there's nothing I can do about that, but just stand here and scream my head off. You know, (laughs) (laughs) in fact, my husband knows that if I start screaming, I saw a ghost and not a demon, you know? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's a trusting relationship.
1: It is.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. So have you had, I mean, not even have you had, but... You know, we've talked about what demons can do. Can ghosts do physical things as well?
1: In my experience, no. I know there are a lot of people that will disagree with me. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of things that are more physical that masquerade as ghosts are demons. But I have not experienced the full spectrum of things because, like I say, I try to stay away from the ghosts. Um, So I cannot give a 100% definitive answer. Okay. But in my experience, if if things are really interacting with you, that's demonic.
0: Okay. And ghosts are just, like you said, replays of what happened to them.
1: Right. It's kind of like it left a scar on the environment, you know?
0: Interesting. Is there a way, and there's no way to say, you know, at least from a religious exorcism standpoint, no way to get rid of ghosts?
1: Not that I'm aware of, no.
0: Okay. One thing you said that is a sign that people are being oppressed is that they don't want to talk about religious things. Yes. What if the person was not a religious person to begin with?
1: It will become a lot more pronounced. There's, uh, there, there's a difference between not wanting to talk about it, not being interested, and literally like screaming or yelling at somebody that walks by with a cross on.
0: Oh geez, okay.
1: <laughs> you know, it's literally like a, like a repulsion, but that's when things have gotten pretty extreme.
0: Okay, so it's almost like a complete and utter protest. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, what about performing exorcisms? What do you have to? I mean, what's the process of performing an exorcism? Is it like what we see in movies?
1: Uh, <laughs> so, um, a little bit. There are <laughs> there are some things that are more real than others. Uh, I have not participated in a Catholic exorcism, which is traditionally what you see in films. Okay. Um, because I'm not Catholic, I have not been invited at this point in time to participate in one, although I have a feeling that's going to be changing fairly soon because I've been working with a lot of Catholic families. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Uh, as far as if you're talking about, uh, and we're talking about like, you know, exorcising a demon from a person you know, yeah. uh, I've done a, I've participated in a Protestant exorcism. It was like, I said. it was based on the Protestant uh, mindset not the Catholic mindset. And there's some differences there, but, uh, is it involved a lot of praying and, uh, a lot of vomiting. Okay. <laughs> so it was unpleasant <laughs> for all involved, <laughs> but, and wow. it lasted about an hour and a half. Um, but it, uh, it, it worked, you know, and they, they finally get over, you know, kind of thing. Uh, it's different based on the different religions that are involved, you know, what the process is. A lot of what I do is exorcism on exorcisms on houses Okay, uh, where I'll go into someone's house where they're being oppressed by something and I'll literally like clear the space. And what you have to do on that case is you have to lay a hand on a wall in every single room, pray over it. Bless it, bind and cast out any demons that might be present. And you have to include basements, attics, garages, and then you also have to bless the cars. Okay. And, yeah. And if somebody's really struggling, this, you know, I teach them how to do it for themselves because I mean, it's very, very simple. I mean, anyone can do this, you know? Sure. But you have to have the will to do it. And if they're being really strongly oppressed, you need to do it every day. Until you get to the point where you can do it once a week and then ideally once a month. And then you do an annual checkup, which I like to call spring cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> the other things that we look for if we go into a house where there's a lot of activity is um, sometimes items can be cursed or have demonic or bad energy attached to them. And uh, we go in and we try to find if there's anything like that that we can detect and we take it out of the house. Because, you know, they, you don't need that going on. <laughs> right. One of the last ones I did, we actually... And they, and it's weird what things can attach to because some people assume that, oh, it can't be this or it can't be that. Well, it's oftentimes items that, you know, came from somebody else, like you inherited it from a relative or you got it at a garage sale or something like that. Sure. But uh, religious items can also be affected. So the, the last house I did, we actually took out uh, two um, rosaries that had demons attached to them and it turned out that the the woman that had given the one rosary to the, the house's owner had made a passing comment that she she bought it in some store and she thought it was cool and kitschy and apparently it had been used in voodoo. <laughs> oh, well. oh oh really good. Yeah. That's that's not the kind of thing you want to give to a friend. Heads up to everyone. You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're into voodoo.
1: Yes. And you know, even then I would rethink your choice of friends. <laughs> Just <laughs> well, there saying. Is that just this is a personal thing yeah but, yeah
0: how do you so that's do sorry how do you um detect demonic? i mean are you doing this like ghost hunters with electronic equipment or
1: no <laughs> um <laughs> i i have trained a couple different people um and we're if you're religious you can sense it you can teach yourself to sense the presence of the demonic mm-hmm. and usually you have uh usually it's a physical reaction, you know, kind of like that, that presence to the unnatural kind of thing. Sure. And like I say, it's the same kind of thing that people will have on their first encounter with something like that. You just have to learn to be able to turn it on when you, you need to know. And uh, it's a lot of prayer. It's a lot of asking for guidance as well. And then, you know, most of the time when I go into someplace, I'm only going there because somebody has already had trouble So it's, you know, they they have certain things that have happened to them. There's something there. It just has to be cleared out. And But I try very hard when I'm just going through about my daily business not to be picking up on this kind of stuff because otherwise it gets a little overwhelming. Sure. So I work very hard to have like my own little inner off switch, which works for the most part unless something really is trying to antagonize me personally when I'm just walking around in public which has happened. And my friends know that if I suddenly grab them and say, we're going the other way, we're going right now <laughs> that, you know, they shouldn't ask too many questions.
0: Just go with it.
1: Just, just go with it. You know, you know, we'll talk later. It'll be fine. You know?
0: Yeah. Interesting. I had a, uh, about a year ago I had on this show, a, uh, a psychic. The person does, mm-hmm. does readings and, and, um, you know, can comu- communicate with the afterlife and, and send messages back and forth. And and what you will, if you believe in that. And one of the things that reminded me of her, what you said, was you said if you see a lot of things like in the corner of your eye, that Mm -hmm. could be, you know, a demonic presence. She was telling me, you know, she did a reading on me and she was saying, you know, when you see that thing in the corner of your eye, uh, at the time my grandma had passed, I think about a year prior to that interview, she was saying like, oh, that is your grandmother, you know, like watching over. So it's a very interesting juxtaposition to what you guys had said I mean are there, are there other reasons For things always appearing In the corner of your eye
1: Not in my experience Okay um, I will say uh, Regarding like a relative That has just passed uh, In in my experience And the experience of the people That I have uh, talked to Which is quite a lot At this point
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, It is not unheard of For a relative Who has recently passed To visit a loved one uh, Once Once and usually as a as a kind of a closure moment, and I believe that that is a gift from God and a blessing for the person left behind. Mm-hmm. and it's it's you know it, it's kind of like the the permitted contact just to to say, "Hey, I'm okay, and it's okay. If a relative is contacting you more than once and is doing it frequently, that is probably not your relative. <laughs> 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 I, I've I've dealt with problems like that where people thought they were communing with a relative and then ended up on the border of being possessed. Interesting. So. Yes, it's, it's kind of scary, because I mean, it's, it's very tricky, because people want to have that connection. And like I said, I know tons of stories. And I know tons of people who are very credible, who've had that one time experience with a relative after they've gone. And I totally believe that that happens. But continued contact is not the natural order of things. And continued contact is usually opening you up for you know is not every my experience, that's demonic, and it's opening you up for something
0: has there been i don't know situations where and i'm not i'm not talking about myself i'm just thinking of questions after what we've been saying you know the relative comes back to you know like warn you of something does that make sense
1: i've heard of that i don't discount it okay i don't have proof of that but i believe it's possible mhm um i also believe that uh, it It's also possible that you're being warned by an angel because they do not, contrary to what people like to think, they do not like to make their presence known. Okay. So if they can do it in some way that's not going to instantly pinpoint them, great. And if they feel that you would take the warning from a relative, they might might appear that way. Interesting. I can see that happening. Uh, and I can see a relative being a permitted to make a warning. But like I said, if they're trying to have a continued contact in a relationship or, you know, or asking you to do anything, you know, other than, you know, look out, uh, that's a problem. Call somebody. Yes, call somebody quickly. <laughs> uh, you,
0: you, you said that they come back for one last contact and it's, and it's for closure. Who's a closure for, for the person who's passed or the person who's still here?
1: The person that's still here.
0: Oh, okay. Just a nice little kind of courtesy. Yeah. Where things are good type of thing.
1: Yeah. And every person I've talked to has had one of those experiences that they described. It was all about closure and peace for them.
0: Have you had any non-religious clients that you've had to perform exorcisms for or something similar?
1: Yes. Um, I had, uh, there's a gentleman I've worked with who, um, (sighs) he's not, he's not an atheist, but he has no idea what he believes. Uh, it's kind of agnostic. Sure. And uh, everything, he actually uh, was uh, attacked by somebody. Uh, He was attacked by somebody who who was a practitioner of something they shouldn't be practicing, and they sicked a demon on him. Okay, and he was he was uh, very into uh, Eastern philosophy and medicine enough, and uh, and one of his uh, doctors actually kind of pinpointed that he had a problem that might be spiritual and he found me at a convention and I was there selling my fiction <laughs> and you know and I had I had my non-fiction book Battlefield Victory I mean it all on like one little corner kind of buried in amongst the fiction you know j- just to have it there sure. you know of course and apparently I, I kept being absent I kept being at panels every time he came by but uh, the people that were there said it was so freaky because he walked straight up slammed his hand down on the book and said, did she write this? And is she here? Cause I need to talk to her <laughs> <laughs> and, and fine It took four days. And finally the last day he's like, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, I'm like, yes. And he's like, do I have something attached to me? And I'm like, yes. And he's like, get it off. And I'm like, <laughs> <"O-> okay. <laughs> and, I'm like, and, and it was very funny because it was the first time anyone had ever asked me to do something in the middle of a crowded hotel lobby. <laughs> I'm like, right here in the middle of... All right, fine, we're doing this, I guess. You know?
0: Everybody gather around.
1: Everyone gather around. Let's watch a show. <laughs> this <laughs> is a bonus
0: for the rest of you.
1: Exactly. And for those of you who have no idea what it is, we're cosplaying Supernatural. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but... uh, from a video game, don't worry.
1: It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Wow. But yeah, so he was... and. Um, it was very, it was a very interesting experience for both him and I.
0: I would imagine. Yeah. Wow. Um, how do you make sure that the, I guess spirits is the right word, but the demons, uh, don't, you know, if you've performed an exorcism, are they going to turn around and come after you or, or do they just go away at that point? Uh, I've I guess retaliation. With... is.
1: Yeah. The... I mean, well, there is always retaliation <laughs> you know, or attempted retaliation. Um, I work very hard to keep my, myself, my house, my family, you know, my, my, my vehicles, you know, all okay. clean. You know, I work, I work very hard to make sure that nothing attaches when I leave a place. Okay. I actually have things that I do when I leave a place to make sure nothing's coming with me or any of the people that were with me there. Um, I also, I work with homeowners and things like that because just because you send something away doesn't mean it's not going to try to creep back. Sure. So there is a lot of maintenance that has to be done. And eventually that gets a lot less. And for some people eventually is three days. And for some people it's, you know, three months. It, it honestly, it depends on a lot of different factors. Okay. You know, the la the last house I did, she had a pretty horrific night the next night and stood up for herself and did everything I told her to do. And uh, things have been pretty good ever since. So, and that was really fast. And I'm like, Great. Awesome. You know, I, I'm glad that it's, you know, not taking forever. Yeah. (laughs) And like I said, I'm always kind of on the lookout for myself and I have people who are looking out for me as well. Uh, It's not uncommon for me to be places and to get scratched or bitten, although that's easing up a lot because I've learned to laugh at it. And when you can take the fear out of different kind of attacks, those attacks tend to lessen. Mm -hmm. So, Everything that scares me, I try to find a way to force myself to laugh, even if it's not funny, so that uh, it takes away the power so that that's no longer an issue. So it used to be that when I'd get scratched, I'd get upset because if you get scratched by a demon, those things infect fast and badly. So you have to be right on it with antibiotics and everything else. I mean, within minutes or you're going to be in the hospital. And, um so it used to be an irritant because I would be somewhere public usually and not talking about demons or anything else. I'd be, t- you know, speaking on one about one of my books or signing autographs for fans and people would be like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, what? They're like, you're just suddenly bleeding. You're like your chest. <laughs> there's like like scratch mark. all, and they've been standing there talking to me. And I'm like, oh, dang it. You know, <laughs> not again. I'm like, um it's okay. <laughs> I'll excuse myself <laughs> and try to get to the bathroom, you know, everything. And and, it's, and when I finally started laughing at it instead, I'm like, really? It, it's a scratch. What did you only manage? Two inches this time? How pathetic is that? You know, and it, I mean, I just forced myself to ridicule it. It's it. Like it's, people say, you know, like Harry Potter and ridiculous. I'm like, yes, exactly. Ridiculous. You know, <laughs> you have to do that. You have to take away the power of the things that are trying to scare you. And so once I started doing that, the number of scratches pretty much dwindled to nothing, and you know they try different things now,
0: but I'm learning to laugh at those too. I mean, so we're talking physical scratches and bites, and you're mm-hmm. not, you know, that's not just like oh he emotionally scratched me or something. Like yeah. you're talking about getting infected, and I mean, yep. that seems insane to me. That's that's crazy. I've never you know seen anything like that other than the movies. Never heard of anything like that. Can it be? <laughs> this is a really stupid example can it be like in the exorcist where like braces are wrapping around your face or something like that? Uh,
1: I would hope not. (laughs) That's just, (laughs) um, no, it's going to, they, demons can contort a person's body pretty extremely, but, uh, there's, especially if they're possessing them there, the attacks that are external are, are going to be what, uh, a person could do to you for the most part. Um, like I had a demon hit me so hard, it tried to dislocate my hip while I was sitting on a bench talking to somebody and it threw me almost onto the ground. You know, but uh a person could do that. You know, they they've scratched me, they've bitten me, a person can do that. You know, they've pushed me downstairs, a person can do that. Yeah. Um uh I've been nearly choked to death in my sleep, you know, and woke up and realized I wasn't dreaming. That was unpleasant. Jeez. I would imagine <laughs> that was very- very unpleasant, but, you know, dealt with it uh, and things like that. So what they're going to be able to do to you if they're not possessing you is limited to how they can punch, kick, bite, scratch, you know, in that manner. So external
0: thing, you know, they're not going to stab your insides or something weird like that.
1: No, they 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 can't do that at that point.
0: Interesting. They okay. Would... So can they, I mean, can they kill you? Could, could you have been choked to death?
1: Uh, I could have been. Um, it's not unheard of. I mean, it, it's it's pretty rare that a demon kills somebody, mm-hmm. but it can happen. And I, uh, I got into, I started sharing my story and started talking about things and helping people because it breaks my heart when people don't know what's happening to them or how to help themselves. And so whenever I hear those extreme stories where. People are getting really injured and, and possibly dying. It's like, this doesn't have to happen. You know, we don't have to right. get to this point. You know, we, we just need to get people the proper, you know, help. And uh, like I said, I, by the grace of God, uh, you know, I was fine. And uh, I was mad and I was upset, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and people have talked to me, you know, before and they said, you know, don't don't you worry about yourself. And I said, you know, honestly, at the end of the day to do what I have to do requires a huge amount of faith, not only in what I'm doing, but also I have to have faith that, you know, God has my back, you know, and that he's going to look out for the attacks that I can't look out for, you know? And there have been a number of times where I know I've been saved from things that could have been life ending, you know, and, and I, it was pretty obvious that there had been some sort of intervention, Mm. you know, with, with, with car accidents or different things like that, that didn't happen, but, almost happened you know strange things you know and it's kind of like thank you for whoever's (laughs) looking out for me i appreciate the save you know (laughs) but like i said you know if i didn't have absolute faith that i was not completely alone in this it would be impossible to do what i'm doing absolutely
0: um I'll, i'll wrap it right back around to the books how much of the books of the novels uh are, you know are these based off of real life things that have happened to you or is it just absolute fiction
1: Absolute fiction <laughs> for the most part. Uh I put small moments of truth in uh t- and that that could even be in my my fun books like the the book of uh, the theme park. You know, I was actually a scare monster at Not Scary Farm one year. Oh nice. Yeah. And the Fall of Candy Corn, which is my favorite book that I've ever written. Uh, the theme park she works at has their own haunt event and she's working as a maze monster. I put more real things in that book than I have put in (laughs) anything else I've ever done. And people who know me were laughing because they're like, that was totally you and blah, blah, blah happened. I'm like, yeah, very good. But (laughs) you know, so I mean, I I will do things like that, you know, but, and I have occasionally touched on some demonic things in my books that I Will make them a little more real than fictional. I've had a lot of fans and readers actually really pressing me in the last year to write a fictional uh, demon hunter kind of series that's based more in reality. So I'm I'm considering it. Well, it's probably going to happen. Uh, we'll 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 see.
0: Interesting. I like that. First of all, thank you for humoring all of my ridiculous questions. They weren't ridiculous oh Never well mind. thank you <laughs> I I just I knew nothing about the subject so I thought I'm just going to ask all the crazy questions I can um, if you guys want to find out whether it's more about the books or more about the uh, the demonology services from Debbie Vigay you can go to her website and it's spelled D-E-B-B-I-E V-I-G-U-I-E dot com Facebook author Debbie Vigay and on Twitter at Debbie Vigay check her out Debbie thank you once again for for humoring me and for taking the time and everything else
1: thanks for having me it was awesome
0: thank you once again to my guest debbie Vigay. do not forget to check her out debbie it's debbie v-i-g-u-i-e facebook.com slash author debbie vagay and of course on twitter at debbie Vigay. i want to really really thank her for uh I don't know, humoring my questions, putting up with my questions. I honestly had no idea what to expect. She exceeded my expectations, and uh, it was a lot of fun, and I, I learned a lot of new things, things I've never heard of before. Hopefully, you guys learned a lot of stuff, too. Speaking of learning stuff, hopefully, you guys learned a lot of stuff, too. After all, that's, that's the goal of this show. Let's entertain, and let's educate. That sounds like a cheesy school poster, but, uh, you know, let's have fun. Let's learn new things. Let's try something new. There you go. That's a much better, not so much, slogan for the show. Anyways, reminder follow the show on Twitter at I Want To Know Show. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash I Want To Know Show. Of course, the website, I Want To know and the email address, I Want To Know Pod, I Want To Know Pod at gmail.com. And we're now on Instagram, so make sure you follow the show on Instagram. For all the latest updates and guests. And like I always say, I, uh, I post upcoming interviews because I want your guys' questions. Had a few questions from some of the listeners. Thank you to Shannon and Trevor and James for sending in some questions. And thank you to Mandy as well. Uh, almost forgot. Sorry. Anyways, that's enough from me. Don't forget to uh, check out my other show, The Unfiltered Gentleman, if you're into uh, beer talk. That's a, that's a very beer-centric show. And on that note...